Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 120. And this week's guest, I mean, he's a major character in a little show that happens to be the biggest TV show in the history of TV. Like, officially. (laughs) The most awards won, the most viewers, the most everything. It's John Bradley from Game of Thrones. Um... What a lovely chat. I recorded this a, a, about a month ago now, and we chatted p- p- back and forth. I'll tell you the backstory a little bit. In fact, it's weird that Jack Jack Gallagher was on last week, because when I did the Manchester date of my book tour, John Bradley came along, and Jack Gallagher came along. I didn't know either of them were going to be there. I'm a fan of both of them, so it was exciting for me. And we all kept in touch, and so on and so forth, and I had Jack on last week, and then, yeah, after... A month or so of going back and forth with John. He'd been off filming, filming the biggest TV show in the history of TV. Um, and yeah, we kind of arranged this and we hit it off instantly. I met him in his hotel, had a lovely chat. We got on really well. He's a great guy. Um, I need to mention that this week's podcast is brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's my record label. Um, I really su- appreciate all the support you give by buying the merch. There's, I mean... Uh, we've got jumpers and coats and woolly hats as winter is coming. We've got vests and barbecue aprons and all sorts of other stuff as summer has just passed. We've got caps and we've got a, lo- a load of s- uh, uh, signed stuff. We've got Distraction Pieces specific merch. We've got Team 3W mugs and T-shirts. And Team 3W is the is the welcome, welcome, welcome Distraction Pieces original crew. So check that out and support if you can. We've also got a signed s- section there now where you can get signed stuff from me and some of the other guys on the label. So check all that out. This this chat, I, th- I think you're going to love it. I'm a big fan of John. Yeah, he's a wonderful human, and we had a wonderful chat. And he was amazingly open as well. We get into some some reasonably heavy stuff when discussing social media and numerous other subjects and and um, some of the accusations of, of the sexuality depicted in game of thrones and things like that so it was great that he was he was happy to discuss all these things and be open and honest and have debates you know rather than skirt around a subject or avoid a subject have open debate and say look here's 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 this view here's this view let's 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 discuss these things so yeah it was great let's get into the episode of it yeah there must be some people who don't want it to be yeah completely but that's that's kind of i think one of the reasons that the wrestling podcasts are one of the biggest podcasts out there yeah is because they're all open or most of them are open to tell their, their stories absolutely now. yeah there was one the other day i've i've started recording just because why yeah. not who doesn't want to start on a discussion of wrestling of course but yeah i was listening to one the other day on on jericho's podcast which yeah. both of us have been guests on and he had matt hardy on Oh, right. Who's currently in TNA, and he's got this weird, weird character that speaks in a kind of faux, almost a bit South African accent, a bit New Orleans oh, really? accent, and he did the whole thing in character. God, that's and it's so the first time I've heard that in ages. Like uh, someone just do the whole thing in character, and he's talking about how he's a um, a reincarnated version of someone that's hundreds of thousands of years old. Yeah. And he's doing all this on a 
Yeah. And, Jer- and Jericho's kind of trying not to laugh and keep a strict... Of course, yeah. Of because he knows him so well, yeah, so he's yeah. not buying into it. It's interesting just how good actors they have to be. Yeah. I saw... I don't know if you've seen that, that Louis Theroux documentary about yeah. wrestling. Yeah, 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 it was great. Where, where, where the guys are doing that thing where they have to... You know, when they're big in a fight up or yeah, whether they're yeah. somebody, they have to just talk for yeah. exactly 30 seconds and then stop for yeah. 30 seconds. That was one of the things. I remember I talked again to Jericho about this. I can't remember if it was when he was on my podcast or when I was on his, but yeah. about the fact that a lot of wrestlers have their first venture into, into feature films or TV yeah. and they're blown away because you get multiple takes. Yes, of course. And as a wrestler, you, you, you're doing your acting in front of a huge crowd. Yeah. If you mess it up, exactly. you've messed it up. And they were like, well, this is easy. And again, you you can say that, but then you also see that a lot of wrestlers in films yeah. aren't going to win any awards anytime soon. But still, it's that thing of it is, it's that different... But still, you, you still have to have a great degree of charisma. Yeah, I mean, I think he, even when Dwayne Johnson was wrestling, he was clearly one of the most... Yeah charismatic people he's always carried himself like a movie star completely I, I recently watched um, Central Intelligence oh the and I, Kevin Hart I've yeah, not seen that one Kevin yet. Hart and, and, and Dwayne Johnson and I threw it on as a I just want something I don't have to concentrate yeah, of on course. and it slayed me from beginning yeah. to end and, and it was a lot of it was The Rock or Dwayne Johnson or, or whatever his name is as you said he's just a naturally charismatic dude he's incredibly charismatic and also somebody who doesn't seem to mind you know, puncturing the kind of public perception of himself. Exactly, and that's it. I think he he nailed it because quite early on, I think it was in like, I can't think of what film was, but one of his early roles, he played like a gay bodyguard or something, which you're not going to expect a wrestler to play. No, exactly, you're going to expect yeah. him to be tough guy. So quite early on, he was like, look, I'm doing this properly. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that kind but, of, it worked. I think you've got to be kind of careful of that though because certain people have gone into, gone into that business and that's all they do yeah they yeah. only do stuff that you wouldn't expect them to yeah, do but he yeah, does yeah, things yeah. like things like ballers the yeah. hbo thing that he does which is just a really really good part for an actor to play and he yeah. plays it well and he commits to it and, yeah. and it's not a case of anymore oh look at the rock yeah acting yeah it's a case of oh this guy's an actor and so he wants to be treated man. as an actor yeah. it's interesting Completely. what we talk about wrestling i think i mentioned this to jericho as well about wrestlers now given the technology that they have in their events it yeah. must be so much more difficult from the time before they had the big screens. Yeah. Because when they had the big screens and people were so far away, yeah, yeah, so far away from the action, yeah. you can get away with a lot. You can be whispering stuff in each other's ear. You can, yeah. be, you can be fudging things ever so slightly, maybe not quite hitting yeah. the mark. But if it's, if it's on a screen that's the size of a house and people all around the arena... Everyone are, can see every sat at the detail. Back, it has to be so precise. Yeah, it's true. There's, um, I've not watched it at all yet, but there's a... a a wrestling promotion called Lucha Underground. All right. And they do their whole show like a TV series. Oh, wow. they have seasons. And it's it's part produced by um, a Rodriguez. Oh, right, um, okay, yeah. So it's like got huge... He's obviously a legendary filmmaker and producer and director. And yeah. Everything. And I've not watched it, but apparently, yeah, it's all... It's filmed rather than thinking of it as a live show thing, yeah. thinking of it as a TV show. And they've got characters in it who, are, who aren't even wrestlers. They're just actors. Oh, I love There's an that. actual actor playing the guy who owns the company and things like that. Yeah. And they've got these dr- dramas playing out. And I was like, what a great it's idea. fascinating. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Not, not pretending it's a sport, just going, let's have some fun with this. Yeah, I'd be interested to find out just how many people still think... I mean, they're obviously incredibly athletic. Yeah. 
But how many people still kind of consider it to be a sport? I, I had, years ago, I briefly had a personal trainer and one of the time things that made me realise I had to stop was I was exercising one day and he was talking about the wrestling from the night before and he was yeah. like, it's hard to tell like uh, what storylines are real and what uh, aren't real. God. And I was just kind of like, oh, right, no, the story... None of the storylines are... Like, obviously, None of the, the physicality yeah. is real and all this. Of course. Like, and I just didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know if I can train every every couple of days with this guy. Yeah. And not... I felt like I was about to tell him yeah. that Santa wasn't real kind of thing. It was, this is it was the... A, yeah. Awkward moment. You don't want to put your fitness in the hands of this guy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting wrestling because I, I, I got into it. I was seriously into it yeah. for like three or four years. Yeah. And then for some reason just stopped. It's incredible how you stop being into things yeah. sometimes. There Completely. must just be one... You, you don't watch one Monday Night Raw yeah. and then you never watch it that's again. It, that's it. I, I stopped for years and years and it was kind of at the time I got really into UFC and it kind of annoyed me that people would think they were the same thing. Like, yeah. we didn't know. And it's like, no, one is an actual sport yeah. and, and, and is real. But then about a, a year ago, I got, got right back into wrestling again. And again, it's, it's enjoying it aware of what it you, is. You've got to stand it. slightly outside of it and just Completely. watch it. Yeah. But one of the, one of the things in, in the kind of history of wrestling that I found the most confusing was, do you remember when The Undertaker was out for a while? Yeah. The Phenom yep. persona was out for a while. Yeah. And then he came back as the American badass persona yep. on a motorbike. Yep. I, the thing about understand about that was, but I thought, right, he's come back as this guy. And yeah. I heard him doing interviews where he said, this is what The Undertaker looks like if you see him in an airport yeah. or if yeah. you meet yeah, him yeah, backstage, yeah, yeah. this is what you're going to get. So I'm thinking, so is this basically the whole company accepting that the other guy was a character that wasn't real? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of confusing. And if they're accepting that the guy that he was playing before is a character and not real and this is the real him, then you don't have to believe anything they say anymore. No, no. and and They're kind of exposing their own mythology. And what's even more confusing is they've gone back to that character now yeah. they've gone back to the dead character so again it's that but yeah. again i guess it's that is you're no longer they're no longer putting forward the idea that you're meant to believe of course not yeah they're now going come on let's all just be big grown-ups we're very aware that he's not yeah. some kind of zombie yeah of course. <laughs> it's, it's the thing that i find things don't have to be real to be no. impressive it's like what i find with psychics and things yeah they should be happy enough to, just to be able to do that as a trick. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? People look along at, with magicians people, and along yeah, with things like, you know. People look like, at magicians and they know it's not real and they go, they still applaud and say it's really impressive. Yeah. They don't actually think he's really made a card disappear, but they like to look at somebody who makes it look like he's made a card disappear. Yeah. yeah so, completely. so things don't have to be true. You should, you should just revel in your ability as, to as, fake it. As long as there's something to al- allow you to relate to them. And yeah. That's now going to make me sound like a professional. Uh, a presenter because I've not even introduced. Yeah. I'm joined by John Bradley. How I'm, are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I was going to hold off on getting to the biggest TV show of all time, <laughs> the, the, having re- recently broken the record for, for the most Emmys, but just something you were saying there jumped out to me. You obviously place Sam. Yeah. And I think I'm a fan of the show. Um, I think. He's an absolutely key character for exactly what we were saying there because he's that realism suddenly in there. He's a real and relatable character in a world of dragons and violence and, and, and yeah. sex. If you didn't have Sam and one or two others, 
it might be too far in the fantasy realm. It might not have, have, have allowed it to cross over so hugely. Because again, 10 years ago, if you said, oh, the biggest show is going to be about dragons and exactly. knights, people would have gone, no, that's for the, the Games Workshop kids. Yeah. That's, like, that's not for the mass market. But Completely. I, I think it is things like, it's, it's, it's Sam and one or two others and a few of those smaller relationships that allow you to then lose yourself in in dragons and in in all sorts of other mysticism i agree i i think that you you have to make the kind of extremity of the world and the and and just the fact that this is an environment where you can die at any second yeah from any number of sources and anything can try and kill you so what you get with sam is you get somebody in there who is reflective of how you'd manage yeah. in that environment. Because if you, think, if you don't have people like Sam, if you get people, only people like Jon Snow or The Mountain or people with this incredible physical prowess who yeah. can deal with all that stuff, if everybody in the world can deal with it, then it's not as much of a threat as it should be. Yeah. And, and again, it's harder, it's, it's harder t- to relate to. It's, it's, yeah. it's important to have someone, n- n- not to look down on, but I use this example a lot with... QI, that Alan Davis isn't an idiot. He's a very intelligent man. He's there to play the idiot. That's true. So when we can't, when we're sitting at home thinking, God, this has all started to go a bit over my head, he plays the idiot and we get to go, oh. Yeah. And I've explained it for him. Rather than admitting, they've explained it for you. So seeing Sam nervous or panic or scared, it's like, oh, he's scared. And not having to deal with the fact that if I was in that situation, I'd be shitting myself. Yeah, you know, no. I wouldn't be Jon Snow. I wouldn't be any of these. I would be yeah. a, more, a more nervous person. But that character serves the purpose of also making characters like Jon Snow all the more heroic yeah. and impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's in there of a yardstick, as a, acting as a yardstick of how, you'd, how the normal man in the street would behave if he was in there. Yeah, yeah. So it adds another, an extra dimension to, as you, to the Jon Snow. Uh, and that's it. As you said, it makes it that... Um, it make yeah, it makes them all the more impressive. Because yeah. you've got right if it's it's it, it's quite right and I hadn't thought of that. If everyone was just dealing with it, yeah, then it wouldn't be that scary or intimidating. You'd exactly. just be like, Well, that's fine. They all it's fine. You need <laughs> that's some, just how things were and yeah. they just can sort it out. You need somebody in there as a kind of point of reference yeah. for for the mean, yeah, if you like. Yeah, completely. But yeah, it's interesting a, a lot of people talk about Sam and a lot of people just automatically assume that Sam is a, a, you know, a widely across the broad, board, quite popular yeah. character. Yeah, and in yeah. actual fact, he isn't really. Because right. as many different types of people watch Game of Thrones as there are types of people in Game of Thrones. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are people who look at Sam and maybe see themselves reflected back and don't like what they see. Yeah. A certain type of man, for example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. would look at Sam... And they don't want Sam to be in there to be used as a reflection of how a man would behave. Yeah, completely. They, because they, they think men are basically it. Yeah. So they want to see Jon Snow's and they want to pe- see people dealing with it. Yeah. They don't want to see somebody who's so negatively affected by it because yeah. they feel that it, it takes away what their image of they wish men were. Yeah, 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 I mean? yeah, yeah. But, but the people it, who... It, thro- it, it, it throws that, that a realistic... Yeah, barometer in their face exactly. rather than no, yeah. men are dealing with it. The women are going to be all scared. Completely. And that's what Game of Thrones doesn't do as well. I think it's it's quite good. I know it's never really had that kind of backlash of any accusation of of, of sexism or because you know there are there are s- sexual female characters, but 
there's also always been some very strong female characters and yeah. and female characters who aren't their sexuality doesn't even come into it or doesn't even cross your mind. Which again, with a lot of um, period type stuff, is is quite rare because yeah. you know that's kind of yeah, it's a different thing. Well, I, I think that I think there has been actually a little bit of backlash against right. certain sequences, certain. Uh, we'll call them non-consensual sequences right, yep. in the show. Yeah, sure. But I think that it was established in storytelling a long time ago that you can you can depict somebody behaving in a certain way. Yeah, and you're commenting on that negatively. Yeah, and it's not it, and it's not a sexist show or no, a kind of uh, a, something that's celebratory of non-consensual sex just because it's got it in it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, there was it, it's, it's it's kind of an extreme, but um, a, a Gaspar No when he he made Irreversible. Yeah, um, it's got a, a horrific um, non consensual scene in it, and people complained, and people were walking out of the, the cinema, and he quite quite rightfully came forward and said, "Look, this is something that happens." Yeah. Um, it's not meant to be nice. It's not meant to be enjoyable. I've certainly not shot it in a salacious or, in, you know, it's been yeah. it's all it's been represented negatively, and to complain about such things is to act like that we should all be acting as if it's not an act that exists. Exactly. And I think it's important to address all areas of society and all sorts of acts in popular culture because yeah. that's 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 the way you get the discussions in front of the average man. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone is going to be going to to lectures on subjects or watching documentaries about some of the the barbaric practices still going on in parts of the world and in different countries and things like that. There there will be people that are, and that's great, but not everyone is. But, as established, a large percentage of the world are going to be watching Game of Thrones, for example, or other such TV shows. So if you can have these topics in there, as long as it's not done in a, fr- a frivolous manner, which I don't think it Absolutely has been not, at all, no, 100% then no. it's, it's good that that's hopefully at least engaging some kind of discussion or debate, or at least bringing it into in front of people's faces, right? Yeah, I, I completely... But even, even when it comes to quite straight-ahead depictions of consensual sex, yeah. or even, even what we'll refer to as lovemaking yeah. for the purposes of this, yeah. people seem to think... People seem to treat that the, the depiction of that on screen as a much kind of more complicated moral quandary than depicting yeah. murder on screen. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? Everybody's probably had sex. Yep. Not everybody's murdered somebody. No, no. So it's, <laughs> Hopefully it's, not. It seems weird that quite a lot of the time the treatment of violence in narrative yeah. storytelling, be it be it even you know, be it going back as far as. Lady Chatterley's lover and things yeah, and all the yeah. kind of the controversy around that and the controversy around everything that includes sex. You have to think, why do we find that slightly more shocking and slightly less palatable than extreme violence? It's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, an example would be when they do edits of films and stuff on planes. Yeah. They will leave in so much brutal violence, but yeah. they will not leave in a single hint yeah. of sex and things like that. So, Of course. It's, why is one... Well, yeah, it, you'd think it should be... The other way around. You the think... fact is, as you said, sex is a completely natural part of Absolutely. life. That, that is, or <laughs> it is life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, being quite going down to it, that is an essential part of, of life in, in 
at its core and essence. So yeah. it's bizarre. It, it's, that bizarre it's, it's bizarre that that's the, away from that's the thing that it's objected to. And again, it's, it's, I think G- Game of Thrones is quite happy to put a nice candle light on a man's bum or abs as yeah. it is on a lady's breast or bum or whatever yeah. else. And again, I always feel that's quite a... As long as it's done fairly, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. Well, that's, the, that, that's it's an interesting point that I was thinking about recently. I wasn't thinking about it at length, you understand, but I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking that people are talking about the amount of male nudity on the show and yeah. whether, it's, whether it's equal. Yeah. I was thinking, well, the problem you have there, and I'm not, I'm not judging from either side, the main problem you have is that for a man to be naked, yeah. he needs to be more naked than a woman needs to be naked. Yeah. A man completely. to be naked, he has to have his geni- geni- genitalia yeah. on display. Completely. That's the only way a man can be naked, because you, you could say a man with his top off is yeah. as nude as a woman with her top yeah. off. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So if, if you're just going to take it to his natural conclusion, a man has to be completely naked mm-hmm. and completely show... Because also the male genitalia is not the discreetest. No, it certainly isn't. So it basically has to be a feature of the image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If the man's going to be nude. Yeah. Whereas kind of... So, basically, when people who want male nudity, that's basically what they want, genitalia. To level it out, yeah, yeah. To level it out, but it's it's not going to level it out because bare breasts and a topless man isn't... Technically... Technically is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of people's prejudice about that type of thing, isn't the same thing. Which begs a load of other questions about it. But it's just interesting that the kind of... It can never be quite balanced as long as you want a penis and some testicles every yeah. time you see a pair of breasts. It's a bizarre one. And I watched, um, I went to see Brotherhood recently. Yeah. And it seems that the way it can be levelled out, and again, it's not a realistic levelling out because of sex yeah. and because of the situation in which you'd see it, but it's generally the way the censorship work is a flaccid male penis yeah. is okay to be shown. Oh, that's interesting, And an yeah. erect male penis is not. Yeah. And... It's kind of a weird. It's it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing because in in Brotherhood again, I thought it was fair because there was once or twice a flaccid male penis, but yeah. there was also s- some breasts, and it felt that that was them kind of going right. That's our trade. So, yeah. a breast <laughs> is equal to a flaccid male penis. A vagina is yeah. maybe equal to an erect male penis. So if oh, we're going to if we're going to yeah. remove the erect male penis and the female vagina, then we'll level out with yeah. a flaccid male penis. Yeah, I know. It's, it's but, strange. It's a strange uh, currency. But I seems. think it's to do with the kind of the sexualization of nudity as well. Yeah, it's not just about being like I'd say. I heard somebody talking about this on TV once. They said there's a difference between naked and nude. Yep. Yeah. Is which is naked. Is somebody unclothed and vulnerable, yeah, and 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 you know open to attack and completely yeah. exposed, yeah. And nude is a slightly more sexualized thing, yeah. slightly more titillating thing, sure, yeah. And I think a lot of the time that people think there is nudity in Game of Thrones, it's actually nakedness, yeah, yeah. If you think of Cersei's walk of shame, yeah, that's not sexualized nudity, not at all. There is quite a bit of sexualized nudity in Game of Thrones, but of I think course, I, yeah. I think you have to draw that parallel between showing a character who's titillating or is supposed to be engaged in some kind of sexual activity with no clothes on. That's nudity. But nakedness, to see a naked woman who's frightened and exposed and scared, yeah. that's, a, that's not the same thing. Yeah. Even though you're basically I looking at the same object, yeah. it's a different... 
intent behind it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think it, 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 it shouldn't be, be able to be compared... Or if you're comparing it, it should be at that a level and that depth. Yeah. Of, right. No, this isn't. This is a separate thing. Yeah. Is, is that you know. is, is that thing that uh, people? Uh, if you're if you're a Catholic and you've been exposed, as I am Catholic, yeah. and you know you've been exposed to crucifixes your whole yeah. life, yeah. People were apparently crucified naked. Yeah. In that kind of hugely humiliating, yeah, exposing, yeah. vulnerable yeah, way. Horrific. But if you see a crucifix, you see Jesus with a loincloth, yeah, yeah. over himself. It's quite, it's dignified quite, and decent. It's quite dignified and decent, yeah. But just thinking, what was the kind of intent behind putting, behind covering that up? Yeah, you know what I mean, it's it's it's, it's because it's I, going because deep I, back into human history of yeah. of of the shame of nudity. It yeah. seems, but to see him naked, yeah, and that broken and humiliated and vulnerable, yeah. it has a much more instant the more emotional response to yeah. it. It's a much more powerful image, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, completely. Well, I mean, let's... I'm going to rewind right back to the start yeah. at some point as well, because, in fact, uh, 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 let's go there now, and, I, and I'm going to make a, a mental note in my head that I want to talk about the sex and violence nature that Game of Thrones became known for, but okay. let's go all the way back to the start. So when you were auditioning... For for it because it's hard to think of it at the time but at the time it was just a new sh- show you know a lot of budget yeah a lot of excitement behind it but obviously now game of thrones as we've said and and congratulations has recently become the most emmy award-winning show yeah of all time and it's got to be the most viewed or, or one of the most i think viewed so, of all yeah. time and all things like that but when you were auditioning and when you were going in for this role it wasn't quite that yet. And even after the first series or so, it was big, but it was yeah. you know, a gradual build Well, that's the, thing. the size it became. Because it was my first audition out of drama school, it was the, the first oh, wow. thing I went up for, I was... I didn't have any kind of frame of reference for it at yeah. all. I, I'd heard of the books, but I hadn't read yeah. them. And I, I saw who was in it. Yeah. I saw that Sean Bean was in it and Mark yeah. Addy was in it. So that was, that was me getting a sense of how big it was going to be and yep. how much faith they had in the material. Sure. But, but the fact is it was mainly the fact that it was an HBO thing. Yeah. And I think that was, even then, even before Game of Thrones, which I think I think is, is even as broad and HBO's kind of... Yeah. ...kind of um, reputation to even further than it was then. Yeah. But I when agree. I was... When, when I first went up for it, I, I associated HBO with... Uh, the Wire and Sopranos. Sopranos and things like and that. And basically all all of my favourite telly. And yeah. all of the telly that people spoke about in kind of, this is the benchmark by which yeah. all of the TV is going to be compared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew, I knew that it was going to be that, but it was my first audition. And I was, I was still very wet behind the ears. And I would have probably been just as nervous if I was auditioning for anything else yeah yeah if i was auditioning for a daytime thing yeah. or, or a tiny part in yeah, yeah, yeah. an itv drum whatever i would have just been just as nervous just because i didn't feel i had all the kind of tools at my disposal in many ways i, I, I i'd imagine that worked in your favor though because again it, it did put it as a level playing field for whatever you're going in for and also you're auditioning for a character who is kind of a nervous and yeah. you know that kind of ironically that can play to your advantage in that situation that always helps yeah it just yeah. always helps to kind of use whatever you possibly can to get your you to natural, wherever you need yeah. to be but but one thing that i was mainly nervous about was we didn't i come from a drama school that's very 
traditional in its outlook and very uh, theatre centric yeah. in terms of what it trains you for. Yeah. So we didn't really do that much camera training. We did we did kind of three hours camera training right. in three years. Oh wow! All in one day. Yeah, pretty much. So, so I I knew how to act and I knew how to access things and I knew how to create a character. But I also knew, even though I didn't quite know the specifics of it, I knew that acting for camera would provide a whole new set of challenges that I just didn't feel prepared for. Right. Yeah. About hitting marks and knowing the size of the shot and knowing the lens and yeah, acting in that very very specific way. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel that I had the kind of the necessary training. It's to, amazing. Because it is a really specific skill and a specific yeah thing of, of of that awareness of particularly on a thing as big as Game of Thrones where there's going to be multiple cameras there's going to be this and that but yeah. having that awareness of everything that's that's going on um, yeah I've only just started doing this this lark but the series I've just finished with one of the people I was with in most of my scenes was St- St- Stephen Graham yeah and he was a godsend because he was literally I'd be stood somewhere. And just before we'd roll, he'd go, just move over slightly. Yes, of course. Because he's, he's, he's just got that awareness of where the, sh- the shot is. And yeah. again, although there's three cameras, he knows that it's his line, therefore it's going to be on the close-up. Yeah. So if I'm there, I'm in the shot at this point, and things like that. And yeah. just that awareness that all I was thinking was, right, I'm in character, I know who my character is. Even if I've, I've not got a line, I'm trying to make sure I'm aware of my surroundings Absolutely. and all this. And Absolutely. just small things, him going like... Just move over a bit, Pip. That's like, perfect. All right, man, thank you. Yeah, because because if you're doing a very tight shot, six inches to the left makes the shot completely unusable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because there's a there's a light in Kino yeah. or there's some kind yeah. of rig yeah, literally absolutely. half an inch out of the shot. So, yeah, I think that I, I didn't feel prepared for all that. But the godsend for me was the fact that I was put into a situation where I was working with a lot of young actors as well who that was their first... Yeah. TV job. I mean, as, as yeah, far as Kit's great. concerned, who's now has become this worldwide phenomenon yeah. of an actor, yeah. des- deservedly so. Yeah. The only thing he'd done on camera before I started Game of Thrones was the Game of Thrones pilot. Oh, wow. He'd done two big plays in the West End. Yeah. But that was kind of his first... That's amazing. Because, again, I was going to say, the, the names that you may have seen listed when you were initially going in yeah. for it... It's the names that you wouldn't have recognised or noticed that have yeah. become the kind of the kind of the bulk of the show, the, the well, kind of the big the powerhouses in the show, and also just those kind of the iconic images that yeah. flash into your mind when you think of the show. Yeah, it is yeah. Kit and it is Amelia, and it, yeah. you know, it was Richard Madden and people like that. Yeah, sure. But the, but what was good about that was so we all supported each other because we didn't quite know what we were doing. Yeah, technically. Yeah, but we were we were given these actors to work with who. Had been in the business for a long time, yeah. like, like Owen Teal, who played Alice Thorne, and yeah. James Cosmo, who'd, who'd been working for years and years, yeah. and knew the business inside out. Yeah. They could kind of be our teachers on mass, if you like. Yeah, it's that it's that perfect combination of kind of oh, when you have that situation where there's a football team that all the older players are starting to get past their peak, yeah, and the young players come in at just the right time to learn from them to be taken under the wing, Completely. and then the older players can move on yeah. or in this situation get killed off brutally and ugly yeah. um, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and at that point the younger guys have, have, have come into their own and have, have flourished and learned yeah that's that's and one great thing about Game of Thrones is that it's created really really good lead parts 
Yeah. For and and I think I spoke about this with Jericho in terms of it being a really good time for TV now because yeah. for the last 10, 15 years, even beyond that, most of the leads in appointment to view drama, especially yeah. American drama, have been middle-aged men yeah. and, and middle-aged women. Yeah, completely. And, and, and people are kind That's of a great point. Yeah, people are kind of finding parts for those people now. If you, if you look at Walter White and Tyrion yeah. Yeah. and um, uh, Steve Buscemi's character in Boardwalk, yeah. Yeah. they're all people of a certain age, and they're all character actors who are now being used as yeah. lead actors. And it's great, it's great because this is the perfect sh- show to change that because yeah. the fact is, in a period or time like this or place like this, the mortality rate would yeah. be... Like, the average age would be quite a low, so you yeah. wouldn't have that many yeah. characters living on to old age and Could so on and so forth. So it would be... You you become a grown-up far younger and far quicker, so... Yeah. Um, and yeah. and just in terms of w- the favours that it's done actors, and yeah. this, this all comes from George's source material, yeah. is that it deals with characters that are, f- that are physical extremes. Yeah, yeah. So you get a character like Tyrion who's restricted height and you get Brienne who's a, who's a very, very tall, yeah. very fearsome lady warrior but beautiful yeah. as well at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. You get Samwell who's very fat. You get, you get all of these different characters who are yeah. kind of physical silhouettes, yeah. if you like. And, yeah, I, and, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. that thing that all the best... All the best cartoon characters are yeah, recognised recognize recognize from a silhouette. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the same with Game of Thrones as well. A, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. That's a, that's a great point. I always remember a, a Russell Brands saying that quite early on in his career yeah. because he was saying he worked on his silhouette. That's so because interesting. Because it was, it was, it, it's as simple as that. And he was like, you can go through the Simpsons characters, but then you can also go through Amy Winehouse and, yeah. and all these different people. He was like you recognise their silhouette. So That's it was true. something that he kind of talked about as a conscious thing of going, right, I need to have a, yeah. a distinctive... And that's, yeah, again, in Game of Thrones, there is that. The the bulk of the characters, you would recognise that, yeah. that outline. But what you get when you get that, when you... when you we said we're looking for a, our lead character is going to be somebody of um, restricted height. Yeah. Then you think, right, what you're going to end up with here is, without a doubt, and they have ended up with it, the best person in the world to play this part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because the pool of actors that you pick from is so small, yeah. the perfect person is going to be in there, yeah. so they're easier to root out. Yeah, easier There's to nobody find, yeah, in the completely. world who has the acting chops no. to play Tyrion the way Peter plays yeah. Tyrion, or the way uh, Gwendolyn plays Brienne. Yeah. Gwendolyn's an incredibly beautiful... Yeah. Six foot four woman with incredible physical presence and physical prowess. Yeah. There's not that many of them to choose from. No. So the chances exactly. are, when so you, when you, you do right pick one. one, you're going to nail it. And that's what's great about Nina Gold. We were talking about Nina Gold yeah. before we came on today. Yeah. She's so. We give us the guys give us such a tricky job to do every year. Yeah. In terms of, I want you to find find this. Find 500 new people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want to all be yeah absolutely perfect. And she does it. And and, and you and, think it's. You think it's kind of beyond her, but it never is. And just so people know, Nina Gold is is is, is the casting director, <clears> and um, man, this show must be a casting director's dream. Yeah, because there's such a high turnover mm. because of the amount of people dying and the amount of new of characters course, yeah. and the amount of people that go from a minor character mm. to a major character. Yeah, that must be a dream, right? To yeah, go I imagine so. Every, every season, here's yeah. here's the long list of. 
of exciting things for you to hunt out. But that's one of the interesting things I found when David and Dan were talking. Oh, David and Dan are our execs and basically yeah. our bosses and yeah. best bosses in the world and everything. Amazing. <clears throat> they, um, when, they, when they were talking about casting, I think they were talking about casting Jon Snow. Yeah. And they say, the tricky thing was with casting these parts is that we see them in the pilot and we, we make them read a couple of scenes and then we have to not only gauge how good they are now, yeah. but how good they'll be when they have to perform what they have to perform in season five. Yeah, yeah. Which is six years down the line. It's amazing, isn't so, it? So that's, that's the real skill of, of casting something like this. Yeah. It's not casting... It's casting them as they are now to do the job that they need to do. Yeah. But it's also kind of winkling out their potential yeah. and what they're going to grow into yeah. and, and whether they're going to be able to fulfil the promise. It's, it's all, amazing, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's very... I mean, um, a Richard Linklater was, was highly praised for, um, for Boyhood because he filmed a film over yeah. 12 years and cast it like that. It's essentially what a series is. Like you're having to do the, the same thing and go, right, if you know this character's going to be here for that long, particularly with younger characters... It's yeah. that thing of knowing, right, they're great now, can they then deliver to develop yeah. into this, you know? And and because we have only we only have ten hours yeah. of of screen time and these books are pretty big. I mean yeah. they're five, six hundred page books. We know that we have to basically snip away everything that's fat or everything yeah. that's that's kind of extraneous and just be left with essential yeah. plot. Yeah. Because we've got to keep the plot moving, the narrative moving at a Certain pace, yeah. So what you what you get with that is you get people who are developing so rapidly like yeah. ac- across ten hours of a season. Nobody's they're barely recognisable at the end yeah. of how they started the season. Completely. So it's just every season is like a little movie like that. Yeah. Every season there's a change. It's done so subtly and masterfully as 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 well. I think um, one thing I came I came to Game of Thrones late, and it's because of touring and other things. Yeah. It's certain like. Um, to commit to a TV show is a, is a surprisingly big deal. Um, and then, I think it was was last Christmas, um, I was like, right, I'm just going to start watching it. And I want to ask you about this, because it was something that seemed to just grow and grow and grow over the years. Yeah. And, and, and it, I watched the first series, I was like, yeah, this is a cool show. Yeah. I got about halfway through the second series, and it was about then that I was like, oh my God. Because it started thinking of how many storylines... Yeah, uh, interweaving, and and I think that's where Game of Thrones became so critically acclaimed, as well as just being oh, it's this cool thing that there's cool stuff going on. There's people dying, there's sex and violence, and yeah, this and that. Absolutely. It was then that you're like, right, I've just gone a whole episode, and I've just just realised I've not seen Jon Snow, for example, yeah, a once, yeah, who who in the last episode I was pretty sure I was the lead. Of and it's, it's so hard to know who the lead is throughout each yeah. each episode or series because you are like, right now we've is Khaleesi the lead now? I think Khaleesi's the lead. Now. This, like, yeah. so, wow, this is. <clears throat> but that's the kind of the art and 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 the beauty of the sh- the show of drifting between all these things without feeling like you're leaving anything out. Yeah, well, that, that's a really good point, and, and I think I think when it comes to it, it's all designed to make people. To make people feel that they can't second guessers, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think the pivotal point for that is is the bedding of Ned Stark in yeah. in episode nine of the yeah. first season. Yeah. In terms of in terms of you, you think in any narrative you have to have one character that people are going to cling on to. Yeah. And say, I heard Alan Akebon talking about this really yeah. interestingly. He said 
Uh, there has to be one character who comes to the front and says, this may get a bit confusing, but take my hand and I'll lead you, you through on, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can rely on me to be solid and stable and I'll be there as your point of reference through this story, which may get confusing. Yeah. And then they kill that character off in the, in the, not even before the end of the first season. Yeah. So when you have that, you think, I can't guess what these guys are going to do anymore. No, completely. I, 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 nobody's safe. There, there isn't nailed on that somebody's going to survive all the way through. Yeah. And once you have that, and once you throw that cat amongst the pigeons, you can't watch it comfortably anymore. It, it, it really weirdly just makes your experience of it as an actor yeah. intrinsically tied into the real-life experience. We were discussing earlier how it's a period where yeah. anyone could die at any moment. That's kind of the case for the actors as well, because yeah. of the way the scripts and the, and the stories are written. Of course. Or, you know, it's set in a time where at any moment anyone could die, so that's how they play it. They, there doesn't seem to be anyone who's protected as such. There yeah. is kind of some really exciting characters that you'll be like, oh, I can't wait to see where this goes and what's happened. Oh, she just died. All right. Is that, wow, that's, and yeah, yeah, you kind of have that a lot. But that's the great thing about a lot of those deaths and especially the deaths of the, of the bigger characters, but also the minor characters as well. Not minor is the wrong word, but some of the kind of secondary characters. In terms of if they've killed you and if they've killed you memorably, that's because that they believe that your death as a character is going to have an effect on the audience emotionally. Yeah. So if if your character gets killed off, it's not a sacrifice that you're making. It's it, it's Completely. not it's not about just killing you off because people are getting you get on people's nerves no. and people want you out of there. You're killed off because people have latched onto you, yeah. and people's hearts are going to be broken when you it's die. It's going to mean something, and it's 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 a really strange one because it seems odd to say, but a good. A good death and yeah. an important death to the storyline is yeah. actually going to be more memorable when this is all wrapped up yeah. than surviving, again, if we're talking secondary characters kind yeah. of thing, than surviving till the end yeah, and just kind of a happy ending or, or, or no ending as such. It's of kind of, that is going to be a more memorable thing if it's a, a thing that becomes key to the plot there. Well, that's interesting that you say about, about when, when you look at it at the end and you look back on it and you... Yeah. <clears throat> that whole journey that all of these characters have gone on because... We don't know the end of the show, yeah. and we also don't know the end of the books. Yeah, it occurred to me recently that we don't even really know what kind of story we're telling. Yeah, that's amazing. We don't know if we're telling a story that good triumphs over evil in the end. Yeah, we don't know if we're telling is a kind of indictment of evil will triumph if yeah. good good men do nothing or good men yeah. don't step yeah. up to the plate, or it could just be a completely kind of you know an examination of no matter how hard you try, everybody's yeah. fucked. Yeah. I mean, but, but but because we don't know that and we don't know what kind of story we're telling, we just have to play these moments. I was going to say, it's really important because it keeps it pure, it keeps it plain, yeah. those moments. It, it, it prevents, and there probably wouldn't be, but it prevents any chance of any kind of nod to the camera to say yeah. it's all going to be all right. This. Yeah. It's like, I genuinely don't know if it's all going to be all right. I'm so sorry. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry to be leading you here because yeah. I don't know where we're going, but... You know. but, but 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 you do think of it, people who are gonna go or people who may go, yeah. Because we don't even know. We we we've, we yeah. kind of we're just as in the dark about it as everybody else. You think of some of the people in it, and I'm not going to name any names because it's just going to start people yeah. speculating. Yeah. But you do. It breaks your heart when you think of it because you think after everything X has gone through, yeah. To die at the end of it all would be just Somewhere's so unfair. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It'd be just so desperately unfair yeah. if that happens. And, that, and that's why the show is so uh, kind of absorbing. Yeah. Because completely. there's no justice in it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, again, despite the fact it's kind of become known for surprise deaths yeah. or anyone like that, it's, they still manage to somehow make them surprising. Like, yeah. genuinely, there's, there's not been too many where it's been, all right. Yeah. It's like, even though you know any character can die at any point, you're still like, yeah, well, damn, I, 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 think, that. I think that's a huge credit to their, the amount of detail that they put into these characters. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was thinking about this the other day, the fact that even the characters who don't, you think, you assume aren't going to have a kind of huge impact on the plot, the way they write for them and the way they give people these little jokes and these little turns of phrase yeah. and these little idi- idiosyncratic kind of verbal yeah. things that only they have. And you think that they've got 500 characters to write a yeah. season. And, they're so much <clears> and not one of those characters will ever say anything that they wouldn't say. Yeah, it's great. So it's not, it's not just about saying what the writer wants to say. Yeah. It's having to put words into their mouth that are completely suitable for their yeah. mouth. A- absolutely accurate. Um, yeah, go on. Okay. I, just, just a very tiny thing. I was thinking about that recently on a slightly smaller scale. I, w- I was watching um, Dad's Army. Yeah, and he had the thing coming up next on whatever BBC Two Dad's Army, and it had a still of them. Yeah, across the across the line, across yeah, the parade, yeah. and still, and all the characters were in it, going from left to right. And you think this is such an incredible feat of writing. Yeah, because all of those characters are different. Yeah. They all serve their own purpose. Yeah. None of them could say anything that they wouldn't say, and yeah. they wouldn't say anything that anybody else could say. I was going to say, none could say the other... Like, yeah. you couldn't just switch you, you their could, lines you, you around. Couldn't get a, you couldn't get a phrase, a line in Godfrey's mouth. No, yeah, yeah, You yeah. couldn't have any of that. Yeah. Just in terms of creating these beautiful little, incredibly deep, incredibly specific and unique yeah. characters. Yeah. I, that, kind of, that kind of imagination and that kind of detail and that kind of... Observation. It yeah. really blows my mind. I love it. It's mind blowing. Um, I'm only going to do, do this once more because this is now the s- a second time I've um, seemingly arrogantly turned it back to my embryotic <laughs> acting career. Oh but yeah. The first TV series I did um, was called The Bastard Executioner. Yeah. And I played a guy who was essentially a scribe. He loved being in libraries. He yeah. was a bit soft. He loved being hidden away. So the first time I looked in the script and saw me killing someone, I was the happiest and most excited yeah. I could be. How was that when Sam suddenly, after all this time of him being quite a fearful, quite a hidden away guy, when <clears> you were suddenly, wow, yeah. I get to kill, you know, I, I, I get to have a, to be the first person yeah. to, to, to kill this, this, this mythical, unkillable a creature. Yeah. How ex- exciting was that? It was so exciting. And unexpected. Because <clears throat> again, particularly, it's, it's similar... Because the Bastard Executioner was, was all written by Kurt Sutter, who's known for, for sex and violence. Yeah. And Game of Thrones had become known, as, along with many other things, but as sex and violence. Yeah. And you s- seemed to have almost the one character that he was looking like was going to make it all the way through with no sex or violence. Yeah. So how, <laughs> so how nice was that to then go, no, no, it's all right. It <laughs> you was, know, it's, it's coming. It was... Um, one thing I found hugely satisfying about it was... In that one moment, a lot is revealed about Sam. Yeah. Not only to the audience, but to Sam himself and yeah. to Gilly as well. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you suddenly realise then that 
he's he talks about his own cowardice all the time. Yeah, yeah. And he talks about how he's incapable of doing things. Yeah. And he and he talks about you know when, when push comes to shove, I am a coward, and my father yeah. always said I was a coward. And the fact is, he's just been told that all his life to such an extent that he believes it. Yeah. But the only reason that he hadn't he hadn't done any of that before that he hadn't felt the need to defend himself or he hadn't felt the need to lash out or kill somebody yeah. is that he didn't care about anything enough before. Yeah, yeah. And he cares enough about Gilly and this baby that he's going to act purely on impulse. Yeah. It's not about him. He lives in his, inside his own head so much that he's always... I've, I've always often played him with a stutter. Yeah. Because, because that's, that's the psychological damage manifesting itself as yeah. a stutter. Because, sure. because he's always not quite... doesn't quite know whether he can speak. He's allowed to. Doesn't quite know whether he can act. So every time he's about to speak, there's a lot of false starts. And it's about him just about to speak and then deciding not to. Yeah. And just about to act and deciding that I shouldn't. So so that's all about that. It's all about him never quite knowing whether to act or not. Yeah. But the fact is, because all this was happening and it was incredibly dangerous and incredibly impulsive and the people that he cared the most about in life were in mortal danger yeah he didn't have time to think about it yeah yeah so he just acted purely from gut yeah and and as much as he thinks and as much as he kind of uses his academic side of himself you know for the greater good and that's what gets that that's where he serves his purpose yeah turns out when he's when he's required to act on impulse that's when he sees a heroic side of him that even he didn't see himself or when he doesn't have time to question himself. Yeah. When he doesn't have time to analyse it or break it down or yeah. think if he sh- should or shouldn't, he just... Absolutely. It turns out like that. But so, that's yeah. interesting that we were talking about talking about the, the stammer there, but sometimes I can't... Sometimes I have what can only be described, I imagine, as, as minor panic attacks yeah. on camera. Yeah. Because I, I, I know what the line is, and, and I've had this a couple of times. There's a, there's, there's a couple of... Yeah. Quite a few scenes that have been... That are broken down because I'm, I'm, because I can't say the line. That's interesting. I really can't, and it's certain. And it's I, I, to all intents and purposes, develop a stutter that I don't want, yeah. a stammer. Yeah, stutter's not the right word. Is it? Uh, I'm, I'm never sure which is which, and I've yeah. got one, so I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't kind of. But it's no, it's it's fascinating because I, uh, the 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 first time I had to speak on camera yeah. in anything. I had a, a very s- similar thing of I'd prepared my lines, I was ready to go, I was like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to stutter on them. And it was uh, with Guy Ritchie, yeah. and we get there and he's like, let's workshop it a bit. And I was like, fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's great course, that yeah. someone's having that much faith in me. Yeah. But it just so happened that the, the, the way we, uh, we workshopped it, my first lines, my first two words started with W's, which is letters I stutter oh, on sometimes. Oh, God, tell me about it. And I've still not... Has seen it. It's Knights of the Round Table that comes out um, next year. Yeah. But my first line, even if it makes it in there, I've no idea how I acted it because my whole yeah. focus was exactly that. It was like, just make sure the words come out your mouth Absolutely. when they're meant to. And that was all I could focus on. Oh, God. And, and the panic of it. Again, weirdly in a way, you've got the perfect character to be having that dilemma. It's true. Because, but- again, if, if there is some panic and fear in your eyes... There's not. There's panic and fear in Sam's eyes. I know. There's not That's panic true. and fear in John's eyes. So it's it's it's, it's lucky in, in a way. In yeah. That, but. but you. But it's interesting. You mentioned W's. There's a scene in uh, the end of season three where Sam makes it back to Castle Black yeah. with Gilly, and yeah. they're talking to Maester Raymond about is it okay if Gilly stays? And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And and the line is, Sam has to say, um, this isn't what it looks like. Yeah. And then he, he realises that the maester's blind. Yeah. So to say this is not what it looks like yeah. is a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's flustered and then he has to say, no, I can't do it now. Yeah, yeah. He, he has to go, this isn't what it looks like. No, I can't do it. Yeah. He has to go, it's no, crazy, sorry. What I meant was. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that on the day. Yeah. Like, literally. It's fascinating, and, and man. It, it's it, fascinating. It's, it's, it was really, and it's really, it's really weird because you know, you just don't understand why you're not talking. No. And it's, it, it's a fascinating one because there is, it's, it is all in your head. Yeah. That's, that's what I kind of... I love about it. And that sounds detrimental or making it a minor thing. No, it's not. Course, no, I've had not. a stutter since I was five, yeah. so I know how crippling it can be. But regardless of how crippling, it is all in your head. And yeah. if you can find the right way to approach it, yeah. then you'll s- smash that line t- all day long. I know. But if you can't, yeah. then that line is, is, is a, a struggle. Or even, I bet it's different now, but I bet if you were to do that line in your hotel room that night... yeah. Off, off the cuff well, constantly, I tried, easy, I tried, It's easy, weird, I tried easy. it then and it didn't really, yeah. I couldn't do it. It yeah. was really weird. It's weird, isn't it? But, I, I, but on the day, I found that it was easier if I looked at it written down. Right. Because for other people's shots, not in my yeah. shots, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. in other people's shots, I, I could read it yeah. and not stammer. It's interesting because one of the things, and again, I've, I've talked to, about this on the podcast a, a few times, so apologies for anyone hearing it repeated, but I got taught a technique uh, with my stutter, which... I've never really had to use because I kind of cope with mine. I've had it, it long enough before I learned this technique, but it could be a good one for if I'm having any more problems in acting because it's a yeah. different situation. But it's to tap syllables out on on your arm oh, right. or on your thigh or whatever. And it's a similar thing to, to reading it, yeah. I guess. It's distracting your mind a bit. And there's there's a comedian's name, and I can't s- s- say it. I never have, I've had him on the podcast, but his name's... Adila Moran. Right. And I always struggle. I'll, I'll often, if I'm struggling with word, I'll put an A at the beginning of it. So it'll be yeah. Adila Moran yeah. rather than Dilla Moran. Yeah. But if I tap it out, I can say Dilla Moran, Dilla Moran. God, Moran. yeah. But if I don't, yeah. I can't. That's and it's a fascinating thing. And it's, it's, it's one that I learned and I was like, that's cool, but I'm all right with my, my stutter. It's, yeah. it's, like, I'm oh, comfortable with it. Yeah. It's not a big deal, blah, blah. But just, just hearing that now, it suddenly made me think, well, it might be handy on set at some yeah, point. If I course. could just be discreetly... Absolutely. A, a, t- a tapping away somewhere, and, then... And the, the way that your kind of brain... <laughs> the way that, you're, you, that you feel your brain is capable of letting you down, yeah. but also capable of swinging into your rescue as well. Yeah, that, yeah. There, there have been times, especially when I have <clears throat> long speeches, yeah. where I'm saying, I'm saying the dialogue, yeah. but inside my head, it's going, you don't know what's coming up. Yeah. You don't know what's coming up, and, I, yeah. I, and I'm thinking, I don't know what's coming up. You're right, and what am I going to do? And it like, just flows. Like, what, what am I going to say? Yeah, when I have to say this, and you find that it comes out. It's it's, a, you're, it's you're, a really weird thing with with performing yeah. live. It's similar. The, your that brain, that. You get your brain tells you that you don't know it when you actually do. Yeah, yeah, and then it comes out, and then you think it's playing with you. <laughs> it's kind of worrying. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of worrying because you're not in control. Yeah. You're, you're not in control of your mind. Yeah. And you think, God, I did know it, but what if I, what if that bit of my brain that remembered it's, it didn't it's, chime in? It's a really weird one because I've had it with gigs, like from, from gigging, doing music for years, you're playing the same songs night after mm. night, 
and there is a point where you can almost be half there. Yeah. And still be given 100%, but you know it's not even words you're saying anymore. Yeah. They're just noises that come out. And that can be great because it can mean that you can focus on your movement and you can focus on other things yeah. and really get there. But there is a, a, a line that you can cross. And I've had that before where yeah. I felt I'm at the top of my game and suddenly I realise I don't know what the next line is. But yeah. what's worse is I don't know what the last line I said was because I haven't been paying attention. God, yeah. So it's that kind of... Yeah. Right, I'm just up here in front of a few thousand people yeah. and I've suddenly I'd got so comfortable and I'm planning ahead that on... Absolutely. In the third verse, I'm going to jump off of this or do that. They're yeah. like, oh, hang on. Yeah. The actual basic part of saying what I'm meant to be saying is is missed. Well, that's the worry. And especially, I've always found that with certain, the, the kind of fantasy nouns in Game of Thrones, if you've got a fantasy yeah. place to say, yeah. or a fantasy name. And I found that as well when I was doing, when I used to do Shakespeare at drama school. Yeah. In so much as you're saying it, but you're, you're, you're saying the music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're saying the sounds, you're saying it musically, phonetically. Yeah. And there's no real meaning. Yeah. But in order to learn it, you have to detach yourself from it and learn it as music. In that manner, Then yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard to put meaning back in. Completely. And, and, and that's kind of an essential a balance, right? It's yeah. that comfort to flow through, but you, in the end, you're in a dramatic performance, so yeah. it's not just sounds coming out your mouth. And you have, to, you have to communicate to people who don't know it as well as yeah. you do. Yeah, which is which it, is tough. It, it it must have helped um, in moments like that, in moments of nervousness or forgetting a line or whatever. That you, it seems to be a really good close knit group. Yeah, it around really is. you. Um, it's interesting because with Game of Thrones, from what I've heard, in or from a filming point of view, at least, it's quite a split group because yeah. you've got one kind of area being filmed in one part of the world and one area yeah. so you kind of must have your kind of gangs is it is it generally everyone kind of mixing and everyone getting on well or is it do you kind of have so if sam uh, uh, leaves castle black and, and goes somewhere else and you're suddenly filming with a load of other people yeah. is there any element of oh i miss my mates or you know what i mean you're starting at a new school essentially yeah there, um there is a little bit of that but but it's the good thing is because we always shoot two units at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> so there, there's always people in town who you're not yeah. working with. Yeah. And yeah, you all yeah. tend to be at the same hotel. Yeah. That's perfect. So yeah. yeah. So so everybody knows each other pretty well all the time. Yeah. And and it's funny when you do meet each other, even though you may not have worked together, you still feel that you're pulling in the same direction yeah. and kind of part of the same. Yeah. Of course. Part of the same cause, if yeah. you like. Yeah. But yeah, people people often talk about, you know. Is there people? Are there people on the show that you've never met? And there have been, but when you do find when you meet them, that you're such a fan of them, yeah, because there's so much of the show that we're not involved it's in. Insane, personally. And you all kind of know each other because of watching each other on screen, yeah. As it's, much, it's like the first yeah. time I did a scene with Stephen Delane, yeah, who was Stannis, who was always yeah. one of my favourites. I thought yeah. he was incredible. Yeah, it's weird to meet somebody. And you're basically just meeting somebody from a show that you like. Yeah, yeah. You know it mean? happens to be a show that you're in. It happens to be a show that well. you're in. Yeah. I think it's, I it's what that. you were talking about before, the kind of embarrassment of riches of... If you get a John or a or a Danny or any of these characters, yeah. they, they could, by rights, be the out-and-out out lead yeah. in a different show. Yeah, completely. It, p- p- people would watch John. If you just take that, all of the Jon Snow or all of the Danny or all of the... 
you know, the various different pieces and played it as one narrative, it'd be yeah. really absorbing. I mean, the examples you gave of Boardwalk Emperor and yeah. Sopranos, they've got clear leads. Yeah. Um, the Wire, maybe not so much. The Wire, a bit more of a blurred line of 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 of, of, of who the leads are. But yeah. is, Game of Thrones is a bit of a standalone in that that there's so many, as you said, that yeah. such an embarrassment of, of riches of, of yeah. who could be the lead or who might be the lead. But that's the thing that they all are. Yeah. And it's it's interesting the way the kind of for me personally the way the balance the the, the dynamic has slightly shifted because yeah. for three seasons I was John's sidekick yeah, yeah and then we split off and then I ended up leading a scene on my own leading leading a, a, a sequence on my own for yeah. a bit for a couple of seasons yeah. then I came back and I was with John for a bit yeah so it's 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 kind of how the the dynamic between lead and secondary character yeah shifts all the time and one thing I was going to say before about about the way that people who hadn't done that much TV or, or were kind of not known on that mm-hmm. scale, the way they dealt with it, it was it must have been so much harder for for Kit, yeah, and Amelia, for example, yeah, who were instant leads, yeah, they were instant leads. They instantly, all the focus were on them. They were the they were the money in all of their sequences, and for me, it's been slightly different because I started comfortably low key, yeah, and comfortably in the background. And then kind of built up over time. So so it's been a kind of gradual incline. I mean, it's a really interesting one because if you can find the right people, then that can be the the best way to make the most iconic characters Mm. because it's not Steve Buscemi playing this. It's Jon Snow. That's that's all I've ever known, Jon Snow, as Jon Snow. Jon Snow is Jon Snow. (laughs) You know, there's not that, oh, it's, it's, it's Kit from... Yeah. There's other TV show or, or from something else. So it's a roll of the dice because yeah. you don't, as you said, you're casting for six or seven yeah. or eight or nine years or, or whatever else ahead. So yeah. it's, it's a scary one. But it seems on Game of Thrones they, they all yeah. they landed in the right place. I think so. And it must be interesting for George as well. Yeah. For George, you started writing these books 20 years before we went on the air. Yeah. To have these people in his mind, these characters in his mind, and then he meets them flesh. Yeah. And they're going to be displayed to the public. And yeah. he must think, oh, God, all the time I was thinking about Jon Snow, I was actually thinking about you. I wonder I wonder if it's changed, because it's that weird thing of writing them a long time before the TV show, yeah. but then continuing them after the TV show. So I wonder if it's changed his view of the characters at all, because of the portrayal on screen yeah. in any place. I don't think so. I, I think that, that George... And that, that's one of the worries we've got about ending the show before George ends the books. Yeah. That's one of the worries about that because it feels a little bit like we're wrestling it from him in a way yeah. and finishing his story for him. Sure. But, but I think that, that just the way the show's gone, the show and the books are just their own entities now, really. Yeah. And is the end of the show going to be the end necessarily the same ending as the books? Not, maybe not. Yeah. And I think I think George has the right to end his books however he wants to. Completely. But the thing about when people always talk about, oh, this has changed from the books or that's changed from the books and George probably isn't happy about that. George is very, very involved yeah. in the yeah. show. He's, he's an exec producer. He's, he, he's not done it for a while, but he used to write an episode per season. So none yeah. of these changes are really happening outside of his control. It's, it's a weird thing for people... To me, it's a weird thing for people to get annoyed about because I kind of enjoy things like that. Um... And an example is the recent Preacher TV series. All right. The Preacher comic books I absolutely adored. 
And I heard the series was coming. I was like, right, this is exciting. It's also nerve-wracking because they yeah. might ruin it all. Yeah. And then I heard that they were largely writing new stories. So using the characters, taking the source and writing new material. Oh, and that excited me. Because I was like, right, they can't fuck up the bit I love. Yeah. And I get new stories from all these people. And it's, it, it, Absolutely. It's, it's similar there of George... Essentially, you get two endings. You get yeah. a, a pick-your-own-adventure type thing. You yeah, can either go the route that the book goes or the route the TV show goes. Yeah. They both exist and neither <laughs> cancels each other out. Of so, course. in my mind, it's got to be a bonus. I don't course. see how that could be a, a negative thing of, oh, they've changed this. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting seeing it go it, in a different way. It's so interesting. One of, one <laughs> of the things that blew my... You, you get things that you, you just hear and yeah. you remember them. I remember once UK Gold... Yeah, did or whatever it was called then did a uh, a documentary series about which decade since the fifties yeah. has the best comedy, right? Uh, which has the best sitcoms? And they do sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and two thousands. And they had somebody like like champion in their particular yeah, yeah, year, yeah. and they come on at the start and they say, "I think the nineties is the best yeah. decade for sitcoms because it broke down a lot of these." Blah, blah, blah. And then Frankie Boyle, who was representing the noughties, yeah. So, well, of course the noughties is the best because you've got everything that's good in the noughties and you've got everything that's good from every other decade as well. Yeah. So, of course that's, of course that's... Yeah. People, people... You've still got it all there. It's still there. You've still got it all. You can basically still watch whatever you want. Yeah. I, I've, I've had that before. I think it was when our, our second album came out. I yeah. had one person just tweet me going, I preferred your last record. So, yeah. It's still there. Yes, Cool, of you can still listen to the last record. Absolutely, That's fine. Yeah. It's like, you didn't really need to tell me. I'm kind of excited about it being out. Yeah. But, you know, you didn't need to let me know right now that you don't like it. Yeah, but absolutely. still, the old one exists still. Enjoy that. Yeah. Go, go, go and pop it on. And, and that's <laughs> quite interesting when you get people that are still... Somebody who I'm... Who I'm uh, fascinated by yeah. is Steve Coogan. Yeah. I love Steve Coogan. Same. And the thing, the thing that I find about him that's so fascinating is... If I could do Alan Partridge, yeah. I'd be so happy to just do Alan Partridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I yeah. could do that, and if I, if I created this thing that was a monster, and yeah. lives outside of Steve Coogan, even, yeah. just lives as a thing. Completely. I wouldn't mind just being judged on that. Yeah. Uh, but but he's, he, he's that ambitious and he's that, that creatively age. driven. To that, create new things and other things. That, yeah. that, he, that he wants to be judged by something else. But I think that's, it just shows how much talent you have if you're not happy to just do Alan Partridge. Completely. But, but then it also means that you get things like Saxondale, which I really enjoyed, yeah. and then you get to have the return of Alan Partridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get to have Alan Partridge go away for a bit yeah. and then have the film or the Scissor Dial yeah. special they did recently, which was fantastic. And really fantastic. Yeah. And I think it's peak... I think it's really peak Partridge at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, but I, 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 I think that he... He's, with, I think Philomena was a huge yeah. turning point for him in terms of being accepted. And I saw an interview the other day where he says, because Philomena was so, such a success and so lauded, yeah. he now doesn't mind doing Partridge as much anymore. Yeah. If you think of the amount of Partridge he's done... You get to do that since, thing that's not Partridge. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great point. I if you think of the amount of Partridge he's done a, since Philomena... Yeah, a trigger point, I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's, um, he's incredible, Steve yeah. Coogan. And I, and I, and I just, I, I hope that... He goes down in history as 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 good as he is. I hope yeah. people remember him being as good as he is. I, had, I I I walked past him in a corridor once, yeah. and I decided to not 
say hello because yeah. I just bottled it and I was just like, no, I don't want to risk. I'm sure he would have been lovely. I'm sure yeah. he would have been delightful. But it's like, I don't want anything to. I don't want anything. I don't want to risk anything tarnishing the amount of enjoyment I get from Steve Coogan. Yeah. Just, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather purely um, have him or judge him in, in a way on his art rather oh, than completely. anything else. Which actually, I mean, again, I'm coming across bizarrely as a, prof- a, a <laughs> professional presenter, but you're not really on social media. No. Um, s- some of the Game of Thrones lot are, and, yeah. and are all over it and love it, yeah. and some aren't. Um, I when, was. Yeah. I was on Twitter. What, what kind of push um, you away or doesn't appeal or what? It, it did appeal for a while and then... I just, um, I just, I, I don't, I don't think I liked what it was turning me into. Yeah, and I don't think I liked what it, what it was making me prioritize. Yeah, completely. I understand that. And I just think that if you, if 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 you're somebody like me who, um, basically, something happened in my personal life which yeah. wouldn't have happened without. Yeah. Twitter, yeah, and I don't really want to go into it, but it was it no, was, sure. it, it, was some, no. it was something that happened that wouldn't happen without Twitter, and I just thought, I, for somebody like me who had limited attention mm-hmm. as a child, not, yeah. not not from my parents, but but yeah. I, I just kind of didn't, I did, I kept myself to myself a little yeah, bit and didn't completely. put myself out there. I, I didn't like that. That I was now getting attention, and I didn't like that fact that I thought that was real attention, and I didn't. Again, I mean, it can be very addictive. Yeah, and really it, and addictive. It's very. It, it is a weird thing because I, I, I battle uh, uh, with social media. I've had a similar thing, and similarly, I won't go into detail. But I, yeah. in 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 a previous uh, uh, a relationship, there was a couple of bits that are some of the worst memories I've got. Me too. In my life, and yeah. they wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Instagram or for Twitter or for yeah. whatever else. Yeah, for I mean, some reason, for, for me, I think because of all the different projects I've done and particularly my music career, it wouldn't have existed without social media. Yeah. I found that loyalty to stick with it and to try yeah. and find a balance within it. But I also completely understand the, the urge. And again, I still contemplate it regularly to go, nah, nah, I'm not, I'm done yeah. with that. Let's let's just be... And, and, and Simon Pegg um, discussed it. And in fact... Uh, Flux Pavilion, I remember talking to years ago, he was a great producer. He had a real moment where he just realised he'd Instagrammed a picture of something he'd seen in his local um, supermarket. Yeah. And he was like, I'm a producer. What? Why? What is the relevance <laughs> of me in a supermarket? Yeah. So that is, again, it's slightly different, at least if you're a front man or someone who's yeah. commenting on things yeah. or whatever it's like, but I'm a producer. I just, and he, he stepped back hugely and said, right, social media is now purely for promotion. Yeah. For when I've got new material. And not in a, a greedy way. In a, no. what I sh- sh- show you is Flux Pavilion, the producer. Yeah. Not the dude at the supermarket on my week off. Well, I think, that, I think that's interesting. It, it, it's even to an even greater extent for actors, though. Yeah, because, exactly. Because the more, you know, it, it sounds like a, a kind of truism, but the more people know about you, the less they'll believe you. Yeah. Yeah. When they see you. Yeah, yeah, and, that makes sense. And I'm kind of... I'm kind of l- lucky, and we're all kind of lucky in Game of Thrones, that 
any kind of promotion that we have to do is very enjoyable. Yeah. And doing interviews is enjoyable a yeah. lot of the time. I mean, you get to go to nice places, but, you, but you, you're kind of securing the knowledge that people are still going to watch this. Yeah. yeah and people yeah, are still yeah. going to know it's out. Yeah. We don't really need to flog it to death necessarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can understand people it's a who... situation in that Yeah, one. I can understand that people who, have, who are launching a, a brand new show yeah. or a brand new play or whatever yeah. should, should take to social yeah. media to kind of just get the word out there. But I think the thing about Game of Thrones is it's so... The HBO arm, the, the publicity arm yeah. of HBO is such a strong one. Completely. That they're going to make sure people know about it without me having to yeah. talk about a pasty that I'm having it's, or something. It's a fascinating one on you saying of people knowing too much because yeah. as we come to the end, I'll wrap things up now because we're, we're comfortably over the hour mark, but um, it brings us full circle back round to wrestling. Yeah. Because it's a similar thing where I'll, watch, I'll be watching some wrestling and then it will kill me a little bit because I'll go on social media and see the two people who are feuding are out having a burger. Yeah. And in real life, they're good mates. It's Absolutely. Like, I know it's fake, but there's a certain bit where I, I wanted to just not have to be encountered by the fact it's fake. Yeah. And, it, and it's a, a similar thing there. If if there's someone that you're a, a vicious enemies with yeah. in Game of Thrones and in real life you're best mates... It might take a little edge off that. It, it may it do. ruin it, and it wouldn't it'd ruin it for, a, or for... It'd take the edge off for a very small amount of people, but still, it's a thing, and it's there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just about all of my kind of... All of my favourite actors are incredibly immersive. Private it's and like, elusive, it's like we, yeah. It's like we were talking about... Ah, oh, well, that's the thing. The difference between one of my favourites, Peter Sellers, and I was thinking yeah. about Peter Sellers the other day. Yeah. He was somebody who could never appear in public as himself. Yeah. And had to hide behind a character all the time. Yeah. And yet we actually know quite a lot about his private life. Yeah. We know about his marriages. Yeah. We know, yeah. And he did interviews on the day he was married and stuff. So it's a strange kind of... Yeah. It's a strange juxtaposition of somebody who didn't feel he could cope as himself and yet you do know you, quite a you, lot about. You learn... A, yeah. There's yeah. a lot out there about it. It's... But... it's, 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 it's I think that, that if people... It all, it's all down to what you contribute. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're contributing nothing, then it's a waste of that technology, of that medium. Yeah. It's all about it's all, it's all about how you use it. Yeah, you can use you can use a knife to go on a a, a killing spree, or you yeah. can use a knife to make to make dinner a nice for sandwich. People. Yeah, 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 yeah. Completely. It's all it's all about what you do with what's at hand, and some people are incredible on. Social media, like yeah. Maisie Williams, yeah, yeah, who is who is just all, just a master, mistress, master, whatever of of social media, fantastic, and works a lot with uh, Rob the Bank, who yeah. is a good friend of mine on some great charity stuff, and yeah. just making some genuine strong changes. So it's Maisie. I, I I I've never felt it was just about self promotion. It's a tool that she uses to put content out that yeah. she wants people again, to know about. as you said, it's it's kind of each to their own in that respect. Yeah. If it fits for you, then that's great. If it doesn't, then that's, exactly. that's great too. But just but just be... I just I just wasn't uh, kind of careful enough. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, if I'm being quite candid about it, 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 it kind of got in the way of something in my life that was the best thing that had ever happened yeah. in my life. I mean, and again, it's a crazy thing, because I, I mean, years ago, um, so I started off doing music about... Uh, 10 years ago yeah. and it was at that boom of MySpace and then Twitter and all that and I was similar I was 
Kid with a Star hadn't had much attention. Yeah. And then the first single that we put out got in the top 40 and suddenly had attention. And that ended up ruining a, ruining a relationship that yeah. I'd been in for five or six years wow. because I wasn't used to having f- f- female attention. And yeah. as much as I can look now and go, that was the wrong choice, that was a horrible thing to do, it's still a weird thing for someone... Like, we're not meant to be in that position as, yeah. as humans. You're meant to be... You meet your partner, then you have that a limited amount of conflict or tests. Yeah. Whereas if you're suddenly thrown into this world where there's numerous things thrown at you constantly, yeah. it's not something that's easy to, to take in and, uh, and deal with at points. And that's not me excusing anything. I've, no, no, I said I'm ashamed of, of, of the couple of indiscretions I've, I've had over the years yeah, in that situation. But, 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 but also... It's, a weird world it, it's interesting the way media. people talk about social media. They talk about... Um, it's a bit chicken and egg, really, because yeah. I've heard girls and stuff, and boys, yeah. say, oh, I found out my girlfriend or slash boyfriend was cheating because yeah. of Facebook. And if yeah. it wasn't for Facebook, I'd have never found out. Yeah. But you think, yeah, but you'd have never found out. Yeah. Would you rather find out? Yeah. Or would you not rather find it, out? It, it is a weird one. I had, I had a relationship end, and it was a reasonably public one. And a lot of my mates were furious because it ended quite abruptly and yeah. I kind of got screwed over a little bit. And my kind of thing was, look, I had worse happen at college. Yeah. It's just no one knew who I was then and yeah. no one knew who my girlfriend at college was. Just because this person or we happened to be in the public eye, yeah. it doesn't make, you know, it's not, people do sh- 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 shitty things. And not that I'm saying I, I'm overly f- f- forgive you, but my outlook was, yeah, it wasn't nice, but... She didn't kill anyone. Yeah. She didn't, you know, she, it, was, yeah. it was bad, but it's it, it's magnified because of the public eye and the public perception, I guess. But yeah. we, we, let's not ramble on about no, this forever. No, it's been, it's been I'll, great. I've I'll, really enjoyed I'll, it. I'll wrap that. Um, as we're at the end, um, obviously, you're filming the new series, yeah, which is right. the kind of, the, 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 the penultimate series, but it's kind of a split in two, so it's... Yeah, we're calling it, we're calling it season seven. Yeah. But I know I know that a lot of the Breaking Bad did it and yeah, Sopranos yeah, did it. They did season five, part one and two. But yeah. I think, as far as I can make out, this is season seven, season and then, seven. then there'll be season and then eight. There'll be season eight. So, can you tell us everything that's going to happen and how it's going to end? Please? Well, get comfy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. Yeah. I mean, how is it just getting back on there and kind of having that excitement and awareness? Because it's been your first acting gig, yeah. really. I, I guess. It's been a, m- a massive one, but equally, I'd imagine it's been your whole life for this yeah. amount of time. So there must be, as much as you'll miss it, there must be an excitement of, right, what's what's next? <clears throat> no one expects their first acting gig to be yeah. essentially a career. Like, yeah. you've, if you ended now, you've had a good career. That's true. So, but it must be exciting that, right, it's it's put you in this, this position now that... There's, there's so many exciting options ahead of, 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 of what could be next. Yeah, there are, and... I, th- I think we're all quite aware of that, but we'll always be... I mean, th- we're in that position now where where you're being offered things and schedules yeah. clash because of yeah. Game of Thrones. Of and you think, oh, y- y- the temptation is to become a little bit... to lose a bit of perspective sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. think, well, do you know what? If it wasn't for Game of Thrones, I wouldn't even be in the frame for this other job anyway. 100%. So, it's, great so it's just all about being... It's just all about being grateful. And And what I love the most about... Game of Thrones is, it's always surprising. Yeah. And all of these characters have got so much, so many layers and so much detail. 
that you're playing different characters all the time. Yeah. Because yeah, you're playing yeah, them in different environments. Yeah. Like, for example, and as you said, there's change from series one to series two to series three. Yes. Yeah. For yeah. example, you, you've got, you've just take Sam. He's, he's had such an adventure from seasons one to six. At the end of season six, he gets to the Citadel, which is what his lifetime's ambition always was. Yeah. So he's content. So going into season seven, you think, oh, now I've got to play content, Sam. Yeah, yeah. For the first time. Not, not at constant risk. Yeah. And, and, and constantly feeling out of place. Yeah. And feeling undermined and so on and so forth. So this, so this new environment has given you a new character to play. And because yeah. they're all developing so quick, you can never really tread water with that. I love that. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, th- thank you very much, sir. I can't... I, I can't I wait to watch all that's ahead with Game of Thrones and everything after. So thank you so much. Thank you ben. very much. Cheers, Cheers man. You've been listening to Scrooge's Picks Discrashed and Pieces. There we go. That was. Episode 120 with John Bradley from Game of Thrones. Sam! Sam from Game of Thrones! Thank you for tuning in. Now, we've got a really... In in fact, I should mention if you enjoyed this one, we've had loads of great actors on. We've had Stephen Graham uh, from This Is England and a million other things. We've had Paddy Considine. We've had Simon Pegg. Who else have we had? We've had everyone. We've had all the best actors, essentially. Just all of them. And Neil Maskell. I love Neil Maskell. Yeah, we've had loads of amazing people. Nick Frost, obviously. Kathy Burke, the legendary Kathy Burke. Yeah, generally just some amazing people. So head back over the catalogue and check them out if you want. But also, you need to check out next week, because next week's one's a really important one. I've got a charity on, and I I, I often avoid charities on the podcast, because I think it's a weird area and an odd one. But anyway, I had a charity on called Dignity in Dying, and they contacted me after hearing on the live podcast, me talk about previous episodes with people like Carla Valentine, um, where we're doing all we can to make death a less of a taboo and something that should be discussed because it's like, it's going to happen to all of us. It's relevant to all of our lives, quite literally, the end of it. Yeah, and Dignity in Dying is a charity that pushes to support and, and, and help try and get laws changed so that people with terminal illnesses can make a choice of of, of of calling it a day if they choose to, rather than law or policy turn around and go, no, you've you've got you I'm afraid you've got to continue to live in great pain. Um sorry about that. Um yeah, it's it's a fascinating discussion and no punches are pulled. It's a very open and honest discussion on a on a subject that a lot of people seem to shy away from, but not here. So check that out next week. Um, I'm really proud of it. I'm not proud of my Polaroid taking skills because I had two lovely guests and the Polaroid is basically my face, half of Mick's face and about an inch of Lloyd's hair. Um, So yeah, I didn't do great there, but um, check that out next week. Thank you all for tuning in, guys. You're great. Feel free to like, like and give five star reviews and rate and share and all that kind of thing on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Do all that stuff. It's lovely. It's appreciated and it genuinely makes a difference. 
it might surprise you to know, but it genuinely does. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm going to go and sit down somewhere and just get excited about the idea of the next series of Game of Thrones because that's hugely exciting and I can't wait. All right, guys, talk to you in a bit. Ta-ta.